They're called the New Atheists. Who are they? Is there anything new about what they believe? Why are they so influential? Today, an evaluation on the so-called New Atheists. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerin, a program examining today's crucial spiritual and social issues. Recently, Dr. Zuckerin spoke before an audience on the rise of the New Atheist. And in case you're not familiar with the term, the most common definition of atheism is the view or belief that God does not exist. Well, what kind of an impact does atheism have on individuals and societies? We'll hear part one today. And as you listen, we want to invite you to check out our website, evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find resources on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You can download past shows featuring interviews with leading thinkers and equip and inform yourself with Pat Zuckerin's books and articles. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Here's Pat Zuckerin. Nearly 30 years ago, John Lennon wrote a song. Many of you might remember. It's called Imagine. The song goes like this. Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and the world will be as one. John Lennon was saying in that song, much of the evil in this world is due to religion or belief in God, eternal life, and an absolute universal moral code of right and wrong. If we could rid the world of belief in God and religion, we would all be living in peace. There'd be no divisions and the world would be as one. And he was looking at the situation going on in the Middle East, Ireland, uh, different parts of the world, where he believed, and as many atheists believe, the primary cause of wars throughout history and this world is religion. And so if we could rid the world of belief in God and religion, we would all be living in peace and the world would be a much wonderful place. Would this world be a better place if faith in God was eliminated? Many of the new atheists today think so. In fact, the goal of the new atheist today is to rid the belief, uh, get rid of the belief in God and replace it with reason and science. And if we replace belief in God with reason and science, this world would be a much better place. In our culture today, the debate is not about which one of the many worldviews out there is true. Decades ago, Christianity was one of many religions, one of many worldviews or many belief systems which could be debated whether it was true or not and which one was the best. Today, the debate is a little different. Today, on many university campuses and public high schools, Christianity is seen as evil and destructive, and it is a belief system that must be destroyed. And any good educational system would root that kind of belief out of their students. And that is the belief you'll find on many public universities and high school campuses. That's why a lot of Christians, when they walk on public high school or university campuses, kind of sense that kind of hostility. Many of you in the workplace today may be sensing that kind of hostility. No longer is Christianity one of many worldviews that we'll tolerate and debate. Now Christianity is seen as one of the 
forces of evil which must be destroyed. This new group called the New Atheists, or some call them the Radical Atheists, some of the uh, notable characters up there you may recognize, some of them have produced some of the best-selling works in just the last four or five years. Richard Dawkins, a biologist from Oxford, Samuel Harris wrote a couple bestsellers, one called Letter to a Christian Nation. Dan Barker over there, he's a former evangelical preacher who has become an atheist and has written a recent book that I'm trying to go through called Godless. Uh, and there at the end over there, Christopher Hitchens, some of the notable names over there. And they present several arguments and several reasons why we need to rid the world of belief in God. And here's four of them. And what we're going to study tonight, we're going to study their arguments, and we're going to see, can we answer the arguments from the new atheists, and how should we, as believers in Christ, meet this challenge that is upon us? Now, there's four reasons why, if you read all their books, they're pretty much saying, they're giving the same arguments, pretty much. And here's four arguments that they're giving for why faith in God should be eliminated. Number one, that faith in God or belief in God is irrational. If you're a reasonable person who looked at the evidence objectively, you'd be an atheist. Number two, that science has shown that God does not exist. You cannot be a good scientist and believe in God. If you're any kind of scientist, you're an atheist because the evidence is that powerful and that obvious that God does not exist. Number three, Belief in God is actually dangerous. Okay? The cause of many wars in this world and throughout history has been because of religion. And fourth, religion is the result of a natural evolutionary process. There's not some divine being out there who in some special way communicated with mankind. Religion developed from polytheism and in this natural course ended up with monotheism and what we have today. And if the course continues, we'll go from monotheism to atheism. And in fact, we need to get there as quickly as possible. So those are the four reasons why they give that religion or belief in God needs to be eliminated. Let's take a look at the first one. Belief in God is irrational. Let's take a look at that argument. Is belief in God irrational? If we looked at it objectively, if we looked at it using clear, sound reasoning, we would all be atheists. And for us to believe in a God, that's just irrational thinking based on blind faith and not the evidence. Well, let's take a look. Now, Sam Harris writes this in his book. He says, We have names for people who have many beliefs for which there is no rational justification. When their beliefs are extremely common, we call them religious. Otherwise, they are likely to be called mad, psychotic, or delusional. Hey, you can sense the tone of these writings here. All right? They're being quite uh, expressing a lot of anger and intolerance and a lot of sarcasm. Richard Dawkins states that belief in God is the result of delusional thinking. In his book, The God Delusion, uh, belief in God is a delusion, he says, built on empty assertions and not the evidence. Faith of those who believe in God, he says, is a blind trust in the absence of evidence or even in the teeth of evidence. So these guys are saying belief in God, especially Christianity, is a kind of just leap in the dark. It's just a blind kind of faith. Christianity 
is a reasonable faith. Throughout the Bible and throughout the history of the church, Christians have never taught that Christianity is some blind leap in the dark. Okay? That is not the gospel that Jesus preached. That is not the gospel that Paul and the other apostles wrote about. If you look throughout the Bible, God, Jesus Christ, the prophets of the Old Testament, and the apostles used well-reasoned arguments to persuade and convince people to believe. They used sound reasoning to refute false arguments and compelling evidence to present the truth. See, Christianity is a reasonable faith. It's never been taught that it's some kind of blind leap in the dark. That's not Christianity. Christianity, we believe because of the compelling evidence. Okay? There's enough evidence there for us to place our faith and trust in. If you look at um, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, God says, Come now, let us reason together. Our God is a reasoning, rational God, and he created us that way to use our minds, to use reasonings to discern what is true and what is false. In Acts chapter 17, verse 2 through 4, it says, As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with the Jews from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. And so you read throughout the book of Acts, Paul reasoned with the Jews. He used sound arguments and reasoning to persuade them to believe in Jesus Christ. See, Christianity has always been a reasonable faith. Throughout the New Testament, the apostles presented powerful evidence that Jesus Christ is the divine Son of God. Their preaching was based on the evidence that Jesus Christ was a historical person. He lived a sinless, miraculous life. He died, and he miraculously rose from the grave. You see, the apostles throughout the New Testament presented compelling evidence for why Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says here, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born." Paul here is presenting powerful evidence that indeed Jesus Christ was the divine Son of God who lived a miraculous life fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. And that's an apologetic uh, presentation he's giving there. And he's saying he appeared to more than 500 witnesses, many of whom still alive. He's inviting skeptics to question these witnesses, inviting them to come and check out the evidence. See, Christianity has never been some kind of blind leap in the dark. It's a faith that is built on sound reason and evidence. There's compelling evidence for faith in Jesus Christ. It's not some irrational, blind leap in the dark. If that's what you've been taught, that you need to correct that kind of thinking. It's not a blind leap in the dark. It's a historical faith 
with historical evidence. It's a reasonable faith with sound reason arguments to uphold its claim. Okay, you use reason and evidence for every decision that you make. Okay, if I look at this chair and I see a crack down the middle and I see that it kind of wobbles, I'm not going to just plop down and sit on it, right? I'm going to check it out. Uh, it looks all right. And then I'm going to take a, take a seat, right? I'm going to make sure the evidence that the chair is okay is sound, use my reasoning faculty to make sure it's sound, and then place my faith or trust in. Hey, it's not just some kind of blind leap in the dark. Christianity has never presented itself in that way. A lot of these new atheists say that uh, those who come to faith in Christ, you know, are some kind of simpleton or something. However, hey, even today, there are many who come to Christ as a result of, of serious investigation. Many scholarly men and women, many who I'm sure are in this room, who have come to Christ examining the evidence there, reasoning through the arguments. Here's a guy that I've been reading some of his work, Francis Collins, one of the top scientists in the world today, commissioned by the president. He is the leader of the Human Genome Project. And in his book, The Language of God, he went from atheism to theism as a result of seeing the incredible complexity and order in DNA code. And as a result of that, he came to believe in God. And he wrote his book, and he said this, Many will be puzzled by these sentiments, assuming that a rigorous scientist could not also be a believer in a transcendent God. This book aims at dispelling that notion by arguing that belief in God can be an entirely rational choice and that the principles of faith are, in fact, compliant with the principles of science. Many of the evidences for God in Christianity to this day have not been refuted. And in the works of these new atheists, it still hasn't been refuted. Okay? The classical arguments for the existence of God have not been refuted. The historical reliability of the Bible, especially the Gospels, okay, that evidence has not been refuted. Uh, the evidence for the resurrection, it's one of the best attested to ancient historical events in the world. And that evidence has not been refuted. There is good reason and evidence to believe in God and to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, in a, a debate I had with these new atheists, the number one website called the Rational uh, Response Squad, they're the number one group. Uh, they have got the number one atheist website out there. And they have out there called the Blasphemy Challenge, where they invite young people to blaspheme God you know, take it from the misinterpretation uh, of the passage where Jesus said, you know, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, there's no chance for forgiveness. And so they, will, they have had hundreds of young people from all over the United States sending in one, two-minute clips uh, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, showing that they don't believe there is a God. Some of them are pretty cute. You know, they're in church uh, during the worship service while people are singing worship songs, and they're there blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Anyway, they're called the Rational Response Squad. Well, my co-host Kevin and I debated this group. And when they opened their, our, the debate over the radio, and you can get it at our website, evidenceandanswers.org, if you want to listen to it. They said, you know, I know one of the arguments you guys are going to open up with, and it doesn't work. You're going to say Christianity is true because I have faith. And that doesn't work. That's just a blind faith. That's circular reasoning. That, that doesn't work because I have faith. You're going, you guys 
are going to have to present some good reason and evidence. You just can't say faith for this debate. And they were surprised because Kevin and I turned around and said, you're exactly right. And any Christian who knows what they believe and why they believe won't agree with that either. We don't believe just because we believe. There's good sound reason, good sound evidence why we believe in Jesus Christ. And we caught them totally off guard. You know, they're totally surprised. They never met uh, Christians who could give a sound reason and present, a convince, present convincing evidence for why Christianity is true. Caught them totally off guard. You know, just recently, last month, uh, I was in Northern California in San Jose, and uh, we know the statistics. It says about 80% of students who leave high school a believing Christian, 80% of them, after four years of college, abandon their faith, 80%. And I was at a church in San Jose. I was going to speak at, the, at a retreat about 45 minutes away. And the parents came up to me, and they said, could you do us a real big favor? I said, sure, what do you want me to do? And they said, a whole bunch of our high schoolers you know, are off in college or have graduated from college, and none of them, they've all abandoned their faith in the Lord. And we've tried to talk to them, and, and, and they've just got a lot of questions now. Would you be willing to sit down and talk to them? I said, sure. I said, sure, you know, wherever they want to go, Starbucks, whatever, we'll sit down and we'll have a chat. That'd be great. And they said, I said, how many are there? They said, oh, about 15, you know. Uh, no, they said, there's about a dozen, dozen. I said, okay, sure, that, that sounds great, you know. And so they said, okay, well, we'll set it up at this house, you know, and we'll have food and everything, and we'll meet at 10, and you guys can finish at 12 and go off to lunch and do whatever. And, uh, you know, do what you can. We hope that five or six will show up at least, you know, but uh, there's about a dozen out there. Well, Saturday came, 10 o'clock came, and about 15 came walking in the door. And we sat down, and uh, we got to know each other, and then I said, well, you know, this time is yours. You got questions, you know, fire away. Because I said, I believe Christianity and the Christian worldview present the best answers to the questions of life that you are all asking now. And the first girl to my left said, <clears throat> uh, in my, you know, I'm a biology major, I'm pre-med major, in my first biology class, uh, my professor presented a video showing why uh, the Darwinian evolutionary system is true and that Michael Behe's argument of irreducible complexity cannot be true, it's false. And I said, oh, give me the skinny on that. And she gave it to me and I said, oh, well, very briefly, here's the answer. Uh, but you want a more extensive answer, go to Behe's website. But the skinny answer is here. Uh, next one asked about art. You know, Christian has nothing to say about art. Yet, I'm an art major, da-da-da-da, I've been taught this. Uh. And so we had a great talk on beauty. And I said, you know, art is clearly a gift from God in the Bible. You look throughout the Old Testament. Okay, there's a Christian worldview about art. God gifted men in art. Here's a Christian worldview position on art. Okay? And we talked about numerous other issues. 12 o'clock came, and we were in the middle of discussion, and I said, well, hey, 12 o'clock, we're done. You can go home if you want, you know, or you can stick around if you want. I'm, you know, I'm not going anywhere tomorrow anyway. They stuck around for another two hours, okay, just continuing to ask questions. And when they were done, they were just fascinated. They said, we never knew, we never knew that the Christian worldview in the Bible had so much to say about every arena of culture and academics we didn't know that the Bible had these kinds of relevant answers for the questions that we're asking today. You know, and I said, uh, well, I hope you're encouraged. Okay? And um, uh, if any of you got questions, 
okay, or anything, just shoot me an email. I'll be glad to answer you. But there are hundreds of men and women out there just like that, asking the question, does the Bible have answers to the issues that I am facing today? Or is this some irrelevant, irrational kind of religion that the new atheists are presenting it as? The biblical definition of faith is not belief despite the lack of evidence, it is belief based on solid evidence. And remember this principle. I was taught this by a mentor of mine. He said this, the heart does not commit to what the mind is not convinced of. The heart, the will, will not give itself and people will not surrender their heart and will unless their mind is convinced that what they're believing is indeed true. So is Christianity an irrational faith? No, it's a well-reasoned faith with compelling evidence to show that it is true. Well, let's look at the second one. Has science proved that God does not exist? Now, the new atheists build a myth that science and faith in God are in a war that cannot be reconciled. If you're a serious student of science, there's no way you can have faith in God. They're just incompatible. Hey, if you saw uh, that recent movie based on a novel by Dan Brown, right, Angels and Demons, that's kind of what it's all about, right, that the Catholic Church has long tried to suppress science because everything that science discovers goes against faith in God, and somehow the Catholic Church tries to suppress it and suppress it, but they cannot, and somehow they have got to live uh, with this uh, trying to maintain faith, you know, in Christ, despite all the overwhelming evidence of science that is coming out, and somehow they struggle to do that. Uh, But that's the myth that is built by these new atheists. They assert that real scientists or real serious students of science must be atheists. But remember, science has its limits. Science cannot answer many, many questions. How did the universe begin? What is the purpose of our existence here upon this earth? Uh, What is the meaning of life? How do we determine right and wrong? Those are issues science cannot answer. And Dawkins believes that Darwin's theory answers the design argument, that all this complexity and apparent design we see in the universe can all be answered by Darwin's theory. That is a tremendous, he is placing tremendous amount of faith in Darwin's theory of evolution. And yet we, and he refuses to acknowledge the major shortcomings in Darwin's theory. More and more scientists are being honest and admitting there is very important and critical shortcomings in Darwin's theory that show that this is a theory in crisis. And there's no proof that life spontaneously somehow arose from non-life. There's no proof of that. There's a lack of transitional forms in the fossil record. We are missing all those transitional forms. How did a reptile turn into birds and mammals? We're missing all those transitional forms. We just see sudden jumps in the fossil record. The Cambrian explosion. Even the evolutionists got to admit, 500 million years ago, boom, all the species suddenly appear in the fossil record. It's called a Cambrian explosion. Tremendous problem for Darwinian evolution. There's no mechanism for change. 
There's no mechanism that produces macroevolutionary change and that produces new body parts and, and a new species. Mutations, we know, don't produce macroevolutionary change. You can only mutate a species so far, and then it's not healthy enough to survive. You can only mutate dogs so far, and it comes to a point where uh, the breed is not strong enough to survive anymore. And if you put them you know, back in the woods, after one or two generations, they revert to their old form, okay? more, looking more like a wolf. Mutations don't produce the macroevolutionary change needed to prove Darwin's theory. Natural selection is not a mechanism for change. It only enhances the strongest of the species and maintains that species. It doesn't produce macroevolutionary change. Critical, critical shortcomings in that theory okay, that are being exposed more and more today. And science and the Christian faith are not enemies. That is a myth. That is a myth. Okay? They are not enemies. In fact, many see science affirming their belief in an intelligent designer, a fact that these new atheists ignore. Thank you so much for joining us for Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerman. It's our hope to keep a quality program on the air and on the web that presents an intelligent response to the issues of our day and intellectually considers the claims of Christ. We hope to address issues like the new atheist impact on spirituality and society in an honest and loving way. And we'd like to ask you to join us. Please support us with your tax-deductible financial gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing our resources available at evidenceandanswers.org. You can download past shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, read Pat's articles, and purchase Pat's new book with Dr. Norman Geisler, The Apologetics of Jesus. It's all at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Dr. Pat Zuckerman.